Scott and Paul show episode 24 guns and fucking roses and everything else today on the Scott and Paul show this is one of the lamest boat openings I've done but fuck it Scott and Paul show you're used to it by now Ball Show, episode 24, Guns N' Roses, Scott, Kiss, Guns N' Roses, both of them on fucking tour. Holy in the shit. same year, in the 2016. We're 15 again. Yeah. It's amazing. Yeah. Um... Uh, let's talk about some shit here. According to some people, Microsoft is ready for cross-play. They're just waiting on some other fuckers to join up. Across? Uh, yeah, shot across the bow here. Microsoft is ready? So, uh, what do you think, Scott? Hell, it wouldn't bother me, any. I, I mean, anything to keep servers going for the multiplayer stuff but i mean man rocket league that would be pretty badass yeah um this came out a couple months ago it seems like rocket league is the first game that everybody's saying that yeah sure we can do this cross-platform games we're ready to cross the streams of course, you never cross the streams, but no, no, no. Let, let's let's fucking do this. So, Microsoft's ready. Let, let's let's fucking do this. No, Xbox, PlayStation. Let's fucking do this. Let's test this out on fucking Rocket League. Microsoft says that no, they're fucking ready to do this. Now, can um, all the fucking fanboys put across their? set aside their bullshit and fucking do this. I say let the fanboys fight it out in the arena, buddy. I mean, like Rocket League, you got like the little hats and you have like the little pennants that you put on the back, your little flags. You know, you could have your P your Sony ones and your Microsoft ones, your Xbox and your um, all that. that. Yeah, and you, maybe even Nintendo could pay for some advertising and have them set in the stands. So yeah. <laughs> and that's all they can do. It's all they can do is set in stands. But I mean, I think that'd be awesome. You could have like uh Xbox, they could promote like Xbox versus um PlayStation events like on the weekends, 
and the winners for everybody that competes in those in the matches or whatever. Free gold. Uh, well, free, free gold, but maybe you get a custom or a, an exclusive pennant. Like if you win so many matches, get so far in like a little setup tournament or something. I don't know, but to make money off of that, you know, how about you can uh, maybe buy that pennant um, later, but like the pennant that you won glows or something, and then you can just get the regular pennant version and have like a buck. You know what I mean? Maybe something to generate interest. People are like, well, I want that pennant because these guys got that pennant. But you know, yours would glow or something. I don't know. I'm just thinking outside the box here, trying to be inside the box a little bit with some DLC content. As much as I hate it, but I'm just saying, you know, maybe they can make a little extra like that, but. Um, yeah, tournaments and stuff like that. I think that's a pretty cool idea. I think crossplay. I mean, you have some people that's hard line one or the other. You know. No, you got. I you. mean, like it's crazy just how stupid people get about what the brand name on their console is. Yep. I'm not like overly loyal to any one, but by generation, I have my favorite right now. I'm, I'm enjoying Nintendo the most. I prefer my PC over all of them. But last gen was 360. And see how when I PC game, my PC in a whole separate realm to me. You know what I mean? Like you have all yeah, the you RTSs prefer your man like over that. everything. Yeah. So the uh, you know like the Dreamcast and the other generation. So yeah, I mean it just depends on whatever I think's the product that matches my taste at that time. So. It, it would be interesting if this actually worked out. Um, but I hope it's not a stepping stone towards having only one console because innovation comes from competition. So, uh, Well, not according to Vince McMahon. But yeah, not according to that guy. <laughs> we should make it that this was the... Um, person who said this was uh, Xbox's European boss was the one who said that. Yes, um, it probably doesn't matter, does it? No, no. It wasn't. It's like, it's it wasn't like uh, Nintendo of America trying to make some huge change in the, the whole corporation. It's, they're just not going to listen. Yeah. Um, while we are on the Xbox um Gears of War 4 will be launching worldwide on October 11th. I like Gears of War. Okay, now here's the dreaded question. Microtransactions? <laughs> now I know that's happening. What I don't know, do we have couch co-op? That I do not know. It doesn't specifically say. I hope it does. I don't think it would. Here's here. Wait a minute. What's this? Highlighting the full details. That's the multiplayer beta. Well, I hope it does because just like with the old Halo games, you know, it was really fun to sit down with friends and family and play through those games. Because as I get older, I want to spend more time doing couch co-op. <clears throat> uh, I never not co -op two players online co-op two players all right well good combo co-op local plus online not supported land not supported 
two-player split-screen layout. So according to code-optimist.com, it says local co-op two players. I hope that's the campaign. But according to this, it says details about Gears of War 4 co-op modes features are sketchy at this point. So I just, so I don't know. I just have to wait and see then. Let me click on news. I haven't played through Judgment. That's the only one I've played through. Me and my uh, son uh, actually getting ready to play that very soon. We just had some good weather, so we've been outside a lot. All right, well, that's enough for Gears of War. Let's see here what we got next. Street Fighter Five. The producer says we underestimated the popularity the of some added of the benefit player two-player local co-op. Well, that sounds like it. I'm hearing an ad play, Scott. That's not me. Is it? No, <clears> no I don't. Okay. I don't have it. Right. But yes, uh, <laughs> gameplay-wise, fans can expect the same cover-based gameplay and co-op play with the benefit of two-player local co-op. So yes, you do get that. Cool. So that's a buy. That's a buy. But right, so still only um, Xbox One only though, no PC. Yeah, maybe eventually. What are we doing? Oh Street yes, Street Fighter Five. The uh, producers are saying they fucked up. We unquote we underestimated the popularity of some of the single player features. You think? Quote, I think it's safe to say that we underestimated the popularity of some of the single-player features. That said, we are excited about the all-new single-player modes, character story, and survival. And we have plans to continue to refine and expand onto those experiences. Yeah, and like fucking, what, three or four months after the game launches? That's really aggravating because... Street Fighter, I can't say anything about the gameplay of Street Fighter 5. I haven't played it, but just looking at the features and the complaints, uh, this is why I, one of the reasons I haven't played it, because I hate buying unfinished products. Um, and that's where I'm going with this, is it's really aggravating because Street Fighter has always been one of those super polished releases. Um, you know, it's, yeah, I mean, there was the old Shadow Throw. There were some bugs back in the day, but you're talking 30 years ago, 25 years ago. But as far as the console releases, they've always been very polished. They've always played very well. Um, the old DOS release sucked, but uh, the music was terrible. But the, um, yeah, I mean, they just, they, they, they fuck up with having too many versions of the games. That's where they get you. And, but not having uh, a regular arcade mode, I mean, it's just insanity because that's, I mean, it's nice to try new things. They didn't do that because they were trying something. They were trying to be innovative. They were doing this because, like, well, we don't have to, you know, spend money on that because, you know, we're Capcom. And that's how the Capcom is. Which I don't want to throw money away, but that's a pretty important feature, man. I mean, people play that <laughs> shit. Look at people's achievement list. Um, it says here on PlayStation Lifestyle the um, 
because Street Fighter V was released with an arcade mode, some believe the launch was pushed ahead of schedule so they could make it in time for the Capcom Pro Tour. Uh, according to Ono, the Pro Tour played a part in the February launch, but there were other factors. Quote, the Capcom Pro Tour wasn't the only reason for why the game was released when it was. We understand that if we had more features ready at launch, it probably would have been better received by some of our more casual fans who tend to enjoy Street Fighter more via single-player content as opposed to competitive play. I like both. But, I mean, I still like to just sit down and just go through story mode and complete it with each character. You know what I mean? I've done that with all the games. Beat it with, like, every character except maybe Street Fighter 4. I think there's two or three I never finished with. So, but, I mean, I like to play the uh, arcade mode. I like crank the difficulty up and go jump in and cha-cha-cha. But, you know, I like the online stuff, too. But, um, yeah, I think it's just I think it's just short-sighted, as usual, and driven by greed. It's a dick so, yeah, you should have just waited and released a finished product 100%. Don't alienate any of your fans. Nope. I mean, because I bet the casuals buy more copies than the hardcore guys. You should have just released the game. You could have had a, a 90 on Metacritic instead of a fucking 60. Yeah. Yeah, they got hammered, and that's unheard of for Street Fighter. Yeah. You know, when they want to think outside the box, they need to think about gameplay elements. Like um, Street Fighter 3 had the uh, parry system, which was really good. And then Street Fighter 4 had your focus attacks. I didn't like that as much as it did the parry system, but it was still different and fresh while holding the original appeal. So, but hey, it's Capcom. They like fucking shit up. Scott, have you ever? Uh, well, you have a uh, the return of your segment. Well, it's the retro game of the week. Yes, one of your kind of avoiding, been kind of missing out on the retro games lately. So, uh, the last couple weeks, I've uh, beat uh, the original Mega Man, which actually wasn't as hard as I thought it would be. Um, Granted, I had did a little bit of homework on some of the boss fights. Like I had a guide for what boss was weak to what weapon and what boss order. But really, other than that, I just platformed straight through it. So I think I died like six times. I was really shocked because I always heard Mega Man One was brutal, but some of the levels they were pretty tough. But I just managed to squeeze through. Um, Is but, that still the best Mega Man, or are you going with X? Uh, I'm going to go with my favorites too. I like Mega Man too. I like everything about it. The aesthetic, the boss design, the whole nine yards. You know, your energy tanks, your whichever's no, there wasn't energy tanks in one. That was different. And part one also had a scoreboard, rather and the other games didn't. And there was no password system. But you had unlimited continues because I had to continue once, I think. Whatever it is, maybe twice. I think I think I died six times. So um, the yellow devil got me twice. And then I remembered the pattern from where he's in a later game. So pretty good, but that's not my retro game of the week. I'm just saying, I'm just building up to how I've gotten back into the, uh, retro game, retro gaming. Um, Ninja Gaiden is my retro game of the week because this is a game that I've played off and on over the years, 
I never really committed to. I remember trying really hard when I was like nine to beat it or 10. And, uh, it, you know, I could get through three or four levels and I get smashed or whatever. Uh, thank God this game has unlimited continues. Jesus criminy. Um, I thought, man, I started playing it. I just buzzing right through the levels. I'm like, oh, man, I'm going to knock this out in like two hours or less. And I got to the sixth um, stage, and in Ninja Gaiden, the levels are broken up 6 1, 6 2, 6 3. And then your bosses are like 6 4, or whatever. So, in every previous level, when you're playing, this is what makes this game so tough. Um, when you die against the boss, it'll just knock you to the previous room you was in. You know, the previous, like if you die on 5 3, you get back to 5 2. Um, if you're dying in, if 5 3 is your boss fight, just assume it is. And, uh, but when you get to the final boss of Ninja Gaiden, um, dude, if he kills you, you go clear back to 6 1. Well, 6 1, 6 2, and 6 3, especially 6 2, is some of the, is some extremely difficult platforming action type. It's Nintendo hard. Okay. You have to memorize every freaking move of every character and projectile in that level. But what killed me and cost me like four hours of my life was I kept making it to Jakio. And you you fight the first form, and I killed it. And then you fight the second form, which I'm not trying to spoil too much, but the floating Jakio. Yeah, yeah don't spoil a 30-year-old game, Scott. Yeah, well, you never know, man. All <laughs> right, so the first boss isn't Jakio at the end of the game. It's another guy that Ryu knows. So, but the last, but then you fight, got to fight Jakio. If you die, you start at 6-1 again. And I was just like, holy shit, because 6-3 I didn't have a whole lot of trouble with. It was tough, but hell, 6-2 had me pretty prepared. Um, and it was just, it was it was daunting. I mean, it just beat the crap out of me. And here's what the problem was. I didn't really read up any guides on Ninja Guide, and I was just going to try to buzz through it without any guides. Well, after I would gotten killed about 20 times, I couldn't, I couldn't figure out the pattern. I could see the pattern, but I couldn't make myself do it right. And it was really frustrating me because I knew what it was. I just couldn't quite get it. And so finally I broke it. I gave in and started watching YouTube videos. Everybody's doing it with the sword. I'm like, okay. I was under the impression when you got the Jakio that it wiped your ninja power and took all your ninja magic away from you. And here's why. <laughs> That's not true. But my screen had a sprite problem when you entered that stage or that boss fight and would wipe my icon and my numbers and i just assumed it was wiped so i spent hours where finally i was reading a guide and someone said yeah she's firewheel he's a breeze i was like you got to be kidding me and that's what it hit me i was like there's something wrong with my game and i started playing and the first time i got to him with the firewheel i killed him it's like really so then i beat the next form pretty handily uh, it took me like two tries to beat it so yeah i didn't know that Firewheel. I thought I had. I thought that it was like some cheap BS that Tecmo did because, hey, we're assholes. You got to start at six one. We'll take your ninja magic when you get to the last boss too. So, yeah. Eh. And a lot of times I couldn't figure out why I was dying in like one hit because my health bar looked like it was full. And then um, it flickered once or twice after a couple hours, and I realized that my health bar was doing the same thing. It was showing. It was the sprite was fucked up. There was a flicker, and I, I was paying so much attention to the boss fight, I wasn't seeing the flicker. So, yeah, I wasted four hours of my life doing that shit. Anyways, Ninja Gaiden. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, very difficult, very fun. Um, 
yes, there's a, I, I think there's a lot of cheese and the cheese comes from the respawns of the enemies. Um, it's super precise on what your positioning on the screen is, whether the enemy will respawn or not. Like if an enemy is, flies off the edge of the screen to spawn, if it spawns, comes on the screen and I kill it and I don't move forward, it will just keep spawning instantly. And there's some parts that you have to learn how to, exactly where to place Ryu so you can make that jump without, like if you jump up and try to kill something and cross a gap, you didn't move forward far enough where you did it. Now that enemy respawns and sweeps down off the top of the screen, kills you instantly, knocks you into a pit or something. So there's there's elements of good platforming design there. And it, it is pretty good and straightforward for the most part, but there's parts like that. And just, you want to rip your hair out, but you got to play within the confines of the rules of the game and learn how to play the game that way. And as so I give it a solid eight out of 10, it's very good. Um, the music and the cutscenes is are epic and they really do a lot of good things with the backgrounds and stuff. So highly recommend. And Ninja Gaiden one, Ninja Gaiden two are pretty, pretty cheap for Nintendo games. They're 10 to 15 bucks. Just gotten threes will run you 70 or 80 bucks. So but Ninja Gaiden 3, I believe, removes unlimited continues. So sorry about your luck on that one. How did you feel about the the I'm not sure what they called them, but the uh the Xbox versions, Xbox PlayStation versions? Uh the first one for the original Xbox, and I believe it was with Sigma on PS3. Sigma, whatever you wanted to call it. Yeah, and there was like Ninja Gaiden Black or whatever. Maybe yeah. it was Black. Anyways, uh, that game is amazing. If you have not played that game and you have access to it, because they, uh, you can get it on, I know you can get it on PS3. I don't know about Xbox 360. If you have an Xbox, a regular Xbox, I highly suggest it. Um, they, they're excellent. They're very difficult, but they're very, to me, they're pretty oh, fair. Oh, fuck yeah. 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 Ninja Gaiden 2 was a little sloppier um, that came was, out for 360. Yeah, it was blood. definitely just this ramp ramp out the blood, make it look good. Yeah, that was that was a sloppier game. It's still pretty good. Okay, where I give I would give the original Ninja Gaiden for Xbox a nine or a nine five out of ten. Seriously, it was say, one of the best looking games on that system. And probably one of the best playing. It may it it might be my favorite game that came out. It was, it was on that system. Yeah. Um, the um, it's one of the few in the generation I played through twice. Uh, Ninja Gaiden two though, like the way the enemies spawn and some of your camera issues started to pop up big time that weren't there weren't as bad in part one. They were kind of rare, or at least not too common. Um, that that held Ninja Gaiden two back a lot, so I played through it, but I can't remember hardly anything about Ninja Gaiden two other than what I didn't like. I never but I can tell you all about Ninja Gaiden. <laughs> I never played three. Uh, I have a copy of it. I just haven't gotten to it yet. You know how that is um, Razor's Edge. Yeah, I have the Wii U version, so I got it for like eight bucks. That probably explains a lot. Yeah, I don't think it was. I don't think it was like bad. I think it was like, I'm thinking I seen I saw a lot of sevens or so. So it seems like it's a good game, but it's not like outstanding like the other ones. And after playing Bayonetta, I don't really think anything's going to stand up to it. Yeah. So then oh. they had that Yajib or Yazibi or whatever the hell it is. It was yeah. some character from the series, and I, it was very poorly received, I'm pretty sure. All right. <clears throat> so 
Uh, Scott, have you ever heard of the channel Freeform? Freeform? Yep. No. Well, then that's because you're not the target audience because you're not a becomer. Oh, well, what's a becomer? That is someone who hovers around the ages of 10 to 18. ABC is what used to be known. Well, a, a freeform used to be the ABC family channel. Hmm. And that is where Cloak and Dagger is going, the new Marvel series. Mm -hmm. So they're getting their own channel. Well, that's interesting. Cloak and Dagger. I've, I've read a few of the comics yeah. over the years. I'm vaguely familiar with those characters. Yeah. <clears throat> the, uh, uh, it's uh, uh, Cloak and Dagger's fine. I don't. I like them better as older adults, not this yeah. uh, young adult shit, but. Uh, okay. Um, <clears throat> according to Variety, though, this incarnation of Cloak and Dagger is being described as a superhero love story. Um, the outlet goes on to describe the series as follows. Quote, The live-action interracial romance follows the duo, two teenagers from very different backgrounds who find themselves burdened and awakened to newly acquired superpowers while falling in love. Tandy can emit light daggers, and Tyrone has the ability to engulf others in darkness. They quickly learn they are better together than apart, but their feelings for each other make their already complicated world even more challenging. This is definitely um, ABC Family bullshit. Yeah, I mean, Cloak of Dagger, I mean, the Cloak's power is pretty neat. I do remember it. Yeah, it's, um, it's fucking sweet as hell. Yeah, it's cool. But why couldn't he admit the light and she be the darkness? Uh, <laughs> why? I wonder what spurred that decision. Hmm. But, um, it was like that uh, episode of uh, <laughs> All in the Family with Black Elmo. <laughs> yeah. Well, why, why can't he be White Elmo instead of him being Black Elmo? Because everybody knows he's white ammo, huh? Yeah. Yeah. That would... Um, freeform. Yeehaw. Yeah, TJF. But, um... This is kind of oversaturating the market. Because we already have the, um... You're getting another Marvel TV series with this split up of um, Shield, because they're getting a spinoff series, and then you're getting the um, Damage Control. They're getting a TV series, and now you're getting this. I mean, you don't have to watch everything. This, this. Obviously, this is not for us. This is for children. But I do not hope this is going to be tied into the actual Marvel Cinematic Universe. Yeah, I'm hoping not. 
I mean, if so, this is kind of fucked up because now you can't use cloak and dagger for anything because they're a bunch of fucking horny teenagers. Because cloak would be fucking awesome for, you know. But whatever. <clears throat> I mean, I'm not, I'm not attached to cloak and dagger. I mean, no. I'm, like I said, I'm vaguely familiar, so I'm not gonna shed a tear. I'm no. sure there's some huge cloak and dagger fans out there like ripping their hair out and oh, there's yeah, a gnashing of teeth and wailing and all that. Yeah, there's someone out there for everybody, but um, nah, whatever. Let's just go ahead and stay on the Marvel uh, news. Vulture is going to be your uh, main heel, looks like, or at least play a large part in Spider-Man Homecoming. So it's not going to be Dr. Octopus. It's not going to be uh, Rhino or anybody like that. And this is coming from birth.movies.death. I've never fucking heard of this site before, so mm -hmm. I can't verify it. So out of all the fucking hills, Vulture. Well, I mean, Adrian Toomes. It depends. I mean, I like Vulture as for what he is, but I'm not overly excited about Vulture. We've seen what can happen with the characters we like. <laughs> yeah. When they have bad writing, or someone's got a freaking uh, axe to grind. Fuck you, Sam Raimi, and. Uh, you know, with Venom and stuff. So, you know, maybe they'll, maybe we'll get the opposite and maybe they'll just write him really well and it'll work. But it is a new, a new villain. It is a new face. So that's great. Yeah. And it's not that bastardization of, of, um, Electro that we saw in Amazing Spider Man 3 or 2 or whatever the hell, 2, I think. God, that was that's probably the one of the one, I'm sorry, not the worst, but one of the worst transitions of a character adaptations of a character from a comic to a movie ever. I mean, I Steel was worse <laughs> by a hair. Yeah. Um Bane in Batman and Robin, Batman and Batman and Robin, mm. Poison Ivy in Batman and Robin, Mr. Freeze in Batman and Robin. They were all significantly worse, but yeah. Well, Kevin Feige, 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 I'm going to say Feige. Um, How about Feige? Was talking to Collider, and they asked him, um, uh, how involved is Marvel with Sony in the upcoming Spider-Man film? And he answered, quote, we're working very much together. It is a... I don't know exactly what the credits will be, but it is a Sony Pictures production of a Marvel Studios film. Their agreement was that it is a very much a Sony Pictures movie. Amy Pascal is co-producing it with us, and Sony chairman Tom Rothman is leading the charge for Sony, and that we are the creative producers. We are the ones hiring the actor, introducing him in this film, and then working right now on the script and soon to be shooting the actual Spider-Man film, Spidey film. So. Yeah. 
And according to Latina Review here, they say that, so while most of the heavy lifting seems to be in Sony's court, the fact that Marvel is the one working on the script right now bodes well for continuity. So. Oh, I can live with that. Which, I mean, the humor thing that Marvel's addicted to will work very well for um, Spider-Man because that's Spider-Man. Like, the one-liners and quips are just too much in the Avengers movies to me. I mean, I like to have fun, but it's just like it's never-ending. But Spider-Man, you kind of need that, so. Mother, uh, you can't have it in Batman versus Superman, right? Right. No humor, no fun whatsoever there. Oh, Kevin Smith was saying that one line where uh, Batman... Well, Bruce Wayne sees uh, meets Mercy, and he says, "Hey, nice shoes." He, he said he knows that that was a uh, a uh, an ad lib because that was totally uh, Ben Affleck. Yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, we'll get the Batman versus Superman here in a little bit, but and Ben Affleck is not the problem with that movie. And the last bit of Marvel news here. <clears throat> uh, I'm not sure who Kevin Feige was talking to again, but he was saying that um, it looks like, oh, Entertainment Weekly, it looks like uh, the Inhumans is going to be pushed back. And um, he just doesn't know how long because they've added some new... Um, Movies through the slate with Ant-Man and the Wasp. Um, Spider-Man reboot. So, um, he's he's just not sure. So, but, I'm reading the article here. And the writer talks about Black Bolt and said... Black Bolt, who has the power, the voice has the power to level a city. I mean, he's got more than the power to level a city. He can level a Hulk. <laughs> that yeah. dude broke the Hulk's bones. Yeah. Okay. He is badass. Yeah. He's one of the most powerful guys in the whole freaking, as far as like, I don't know how many jewels of energy he can deliver to a being. Yeah. The dude is freaking powerful. And he can't even whisper without killing everybody in the damn county. So, I do want to see an Inhumans movie, but it's probably for the best that they do delay it. Yeah, there's a lot on the on the uh, carpet right now. All right, so Inhumans is delayed. It'll be an interesting twist. Maybe they're hoping they can hit gold again, like they did with Guardians of the Galaxy. And maybe you want to fit, get get a little bit more time in between the Inhumans and your. Uh, your uh, Infinity movie. Yeah. Because you don't want to do the fucking Infinity Gauntlet and then, boom, here comes that. I don't know. But um, Suicide Squad. There's been rumors going around that uh, Suicide Squad has been... Doing reshoots. That is true. 
But the reason why that they're doing reshoots, the rumor was that it was added to more humor. And some people are saying that this was because of, um, is a reaction to Deadpool. Well, David Ayer said, uh, research, research for humor is silly. When a studio loves your movie and asks you what else you got, go for it. Yeah, because the studio said, damn, look at all the money that Deadpool made. I don't, I, I, you know, he calls bullshit, but I don't believe David Ayer for a fucking second. That's exactly what it was. Reshoots for humor is silly. When a studio loves your movie and asks what else you want, go for it. Hey, we love your movie. <laughs> um, do you have anything funny? That's probably what they meant when they said what else you got. So, yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say that that's probably one of those PR spins. Or maybe, look, Batman versus Superman fucking bombed. Can you put more Batman in it? That was the only thing people liked. Yeah, um, there's that. Um, call Ben. <laughs> uh, there's also an inaccuracy here in Latina Review. They, they, they say here, um, paraphrasing, backed up by a fellow who works on the technical side of things. Both star Jai Courtney. Well, there's, there's their, there's their, uh, in their terrible journalism. They call Jai Courtney a star. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm probably gonna go watch Suicide Squad. I'm gonna give it a chance because there's good and bad, but I'll give it a shot. Um. But yeah, stuff like that doesn't make me too excited to hear that the reshoots and the rumors why. Which it could just be rumors. He could be 100% right, but I just I just find it hard to believe. Yeah, they always do reshoots. They do. They do. They could have gone into the editing room and been like, well, this shit doesn't make sense. Yeah. Um, and, and been like... Um, of course... Kevin Smith, he's done Warner Brothers movies before, and that's what Warner Brothers does. They always add, do reshoots, and they add more money. Go back, redo, do more. That's that's what they fucking do. Yeah, and that fucks their films up. Um, says here, jives with what Courtney said last week that the reshoots are mainly scheduled to add more action, not more humor. I don't know if I can believe the words of a prop, but. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure some of the complaints about Superman and Batman is the lack of action. So apparently there was a lot of shit cut out that made sense. Yeah. But according to this, there was confirmed standalone Batman film that uh, Affleck will be directing it. It's on the front page of um, Latino review right now. It's the, Top story. Yeah. CEO um, Kevin, some dude. Back in June of two, 2015, we reported that Ben Affleck will direct the next solo Batman film, and finally it has been confirmed on 
gig Patia at this year's CinemaCon in Las Vegas and with CEO Kevin Tazura officially confirmed that Ben Affleck will be directing the upcoming Batman standalone film. We're working with Ben Affleck on a standalone Batman film. So, writing and directing it. Don't fuck it up. He won't. No, got he faith. Knows, he knows what, what went wrong. His name is called Zack Snyder. Yep. That's why we had Sad Affleck. Yeah. Which is funny because that's what we got for two hours and 30 minutes was Sad Affleck. Yeah. Well, okay. Scott saw Batman versus Superman. So, um, what we are going to do is we're going to go ahead and review NWA. And then we're going to come back and Scott is going to spoil the shit out of Batman. And he's going to get everything off of his chest. Yes. So, NWA, Batman, and that's what we're going to do. So, again, this is what we're going to do. NWA, then we're going to hit our music, and then we're going to come back. So, if you do not want Batman versus Superman fucking spoiled. That was going to be your only fucking chance. So, bring up the fucking notes. NWA 412.86. I guess before we do this, though, Scott, did you actually like the film? Yes. Okay, that doesn't mean that I loved it. Yeah, non-spoiler review though for people wondering: Did you actually like the film? I liked the movie. I didn't feel like I got ripped off for my money, even though so, I took three other people. So, would you say, would you actually recommend people to go watch it? Uh, if you can watch the movie, and that was kind of the point we were talking about before the show, if you can watch it from the point of an Elseworld story or look at it as just a film then yeah i mean there are some there is some messy editing some messy storylines things like that but it's not it's not i don't think it's not atrocious like we've been led to believe but if you're a hardcore comic book fan that can't separate that which is fine because i see two different movies when i watch it i watch it as a guy that likes movies and i watch it as a guy that likes comic books um if if you're going to be pissed off that your character isn't like they are in the comic then don't go see it. But if you can deal with that or an Elseworlds type viewpoint, I think most people will enjoy it at, the, at least. Maybe not love it, but enjoy it. Mostly. <laughs> so I'd say I'm a hair above lukewarm on it. So if you saw Man of Steel, would you like this? I think Man of Steel overall was a more complete, concise film. Um, there was some, you know, there was some really bad mischaracterizations in Man of Steel, namely John Kent. So, so do, you, do you think that you should just wait for the director's cut, or just go ahead and watch it now? Oh, that's I forgot about the director's cut. What's promised in the director's cut? Do you know? I mean, I know it was like thirty minutes of footage, something like that. Yeah, it's like thirty minutes. Well, let's go make it a three-hour movie. So, um. There were some things that could have used some more screen time, and there were some things that could have used some less screen time, namely Sad Affleck. 
Mm. And that's, again, not Affleck's fault. There was just too much of Affleck looking sad. Which is funny, because we got the sad man meme, meme out there. So, yeah. which is which was in an interview rather than the movie. But hell, that could have been the soundtrack for the movie. Yeah. So, all right. Anyways, your non-spoiler review. Um, Batman versus Superman. Um, kind of in between borrow and buy, but definitely not on the side of burn. Um, just too much damn darkness all the time. You know, inject a little life into it. I think there was a smile one fucking time in the whole movie. So <laughs> maybe twice. And Superman is about fun. Truth, justice, the American way, but mostly he's about fun. Batman's about a psychotic in a suit that fucks people up. <laughs> <laughs> so there needs to be elements of both things in those movies, but it was basically just a psychotic fucking shit up, <laughs> which was great in its own right. But yeah, the Superman half of it's what hurts the most. Mm. There's bad stuff on the Batman side of it too, but it's mostly the Superman side. All right. NWA for April 12th, 1986. We recap of um, last week's episode with Ron Garvin versus um, Arn Anderson with Tully Blanchard doing a run-in. So it started off with um, no David Crockett as he's on special assignment because next week, I believe, is the... Start of the Jim Cochran Senior Memorial Cup. And we are informed that there will be a 30-day uh, enforcement of the you must defend your title within 30 days. However, due to the fact that the uh, one of the Russians is injured, that would be... Um, oh, fuck. I forgot Smash's name. <laughs> anyway, that fucker's hurt. Uh uh, I can't think of it off the top of my head either. Um, what's his name? Anyway, Smash is hurt. So, uh, uh, Baron Von Rusky will be taking his place tonight. What the fuck is his name? Oh, shit. Anyway, cut through promo of Dusty and Baby Doll. Baby Doll got a brand new dress, and Dusty got. Brand new pair of fucking glasses. What the fuck was up with Dusty's glasses tonight? I don't know. Looked like a pair of kids' glasses. Yeah, they were pretty ghetto looking. I don't even remember what Dusty's promo was about. I, you know, what it was, I could probably guess, but the big thing I caught about it was at the end of it when he talked about um, that baby doll was issued a challenge to J.J. Dillon. Uh, that was right. Dusty came out there talking smack about baby doll issuing a challenge to JJ that he would, she would whoop his ass anywhere, anytime, any place. Then we cut to a match with uh, Hector Guerrero who looked, fuck, he looked just like Eddie. Yes, he did. Holy shit. And he was built like a brick fucking shit house too. Jeez yeah. Louise. Yeah, Hector was fucking ripped. Dude, when he got in the ring, I was like, damn, that's some mean looking shit right there. Yeah. Yeah. Hector and Raging Bull Manny Fernandez versus George South and Tony Zane. Uh Raging Bull not in a hurry. 
No, never in a hurry. No. He just, hey, likes, he just likes to hurt people. Yeah, he does. Um, you know, George South, man, I mean, that guy is not a bad worker. You know? I think mean, Zane isn't really either, but South seems like he's a little bit better. Um, yeah. George can work. Tony can't. That he's, He is just a fucking prop. George just got Yeah, he's definitely a prop, I guess. George needs to go to a better territory. Yeah. Well, yeah, he's not getting he's to a out. bad territory so he can be the top guy. So he can stand out. Yeah. Yeah. Um, all in all, it was a pretty good match. I mean, you know, it was not quite a smash, but there wasn't really much offense put up by South or Zane. There never is. Um, the finisher was kind of neat. I don't think I'd ever seen that one. Um, no. They were outside the ring. Raging Bull squatted down, and Eddie, or not at shit. See? That <laughs> 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 was completely off the cuff, natural. Just from looking at, anyways, Hector Guerrero. It looked like something that Eddie would do. Hopped up on his shoulders, and, they, and Raging Bull squatted down. And he stood up, and Eddie leaped off from Eddie. him and did a uh, crossbody. Hector, gosh, damn it! Hector did a flying crossbody and pinned George South. Yeah. So. Yeah. Then they uh, went to a promo, and Hector was. Um, he was very humble. He was unilingual, <laughs> lingual. He was, yeah, he's very, he's bilingual, and he was, you know, I appreciate you for um, letting me be in, in, in your beautiful country and, and letting me wrestle here, and I, I appreciate that, and thank you for letting me me be here, and, and we're very happy to perform for you. <laughs> And then, yeah. and then fucking Manny says, I think what he's trying to say is, we're going to kick everybody's ass. <laughs> it's like, wait, no, that's not what he fucking said. Um, he gave a pretty good promo. You know, he really played the crowd up. He talked about being a veteran and serving and all that stuff. And that, you know, yeah. that, that, that resonates with Americans generally. Hector, and especially yeah. in the South in the 80s. They just, they loved it. So... Yeah, Manny gives a better promo than he. His promos are way different than the way he works. Yeah, he's a lot more animated. He's a lot more uh, alive. As soon as he gets to the ring, he like slows it fucking down. His promo is like, man, this guy's gonna get in there and beat somebody's ass. Then when he gets yeah. to the ring, he's like, he just slows it down. He works that old fucking southern style. Yeah, which you think he would work more of like a fucking luchador speed. But he doesn't. He That's racist. He's got to be a luchador. Yeah, where the fuck were their mask? <laughs> and why weren't they midgets? He works that fucking Bill Watts slow-ass fucking style. Yeah, he did. But Hector, he, Hector goes in there and fucking works fucking quick-ass speed. Yeah. It was, it was good. It was good. Yeah. I liked watching him. I, I don't think I had ever seen Hector before. I've seen Hector before, but... Maybe when he was older. I don't remember. Well, when he was older, I've never seen him when he was younger, but holy shit, I saw him. I was like, God, he looks like Eddie. Yeah. Chavo does not fucking look like anybody else in the family, but fuck, nah. when I saw Hector, I was like, Jesus. No. Yeah. Um. Next up, we have Black Bart versus Gene... Ligon, Ligon, 
Legion. Anyway, yeah, yeah Black Park went off a leg drop. Yeah, what they do? Trash compactor, I think they called it. Yeah. Promo of Tully Blanchard. Every single fucking thing Tully Blanchard said in this promo was true. And my God, does he not look like a fucking superstar? Yeah, he uh, he tore Ron Garvin a new one, and it was it was true. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, what happened last week? Which, if, if you didn't watch last week's episode, they beat the shit out of Ron Garvin last week in Art Anderson's match, and they smashed his hand across the uh, the ring post, which is why his hand was taped up this week, and he uh, tore. Ron Garvin, the new one, was like, well, maybe if your hand's broken and fucked up, maybe we can just go ahead and put it in a in a boot like we did Dusty. Maybe you can use that as a fucking weapon. Yep. Yeah, I thought that was very good for him. It was and, funny. He then, um, went yeah. right to the point, selling, you know, oh, you're cheating again. You got it taped up from your hand up your elbow or something along those lines. Yeah. And, yeah, he was funny. Yeah. <clears throat> And he had all all of his fucking bling on. Yeah, it looked like a fucking superstar. Yeah. Unlike everybody else we got now who just looks like a fucking punk. Everybody looks the same. Yeah. Cookie cutter, man. Yeah. Then we went to the six-man title match, which really is just a fucking trophy. I don't know why it's called a six-man title. Uh, Ivan, Nikita, and Baron filling in for fucking smash. <laughs> what the hell is his name? Versus Tyan Stein, Nelson Royal, and Danny Brown. And you know, and, and I put in the notes, I wonder who fucking has that trophy right now. Now I bet fucking David Crockett has it. Or maybe they let fucking Ivan Koloff have it. Yeah, I wonder where it is at. Maybe Why the hell can I not remember that guy's name? Crusher. You Crusher. go you go on Crusher, yes, yes. I was going to say, you go ahead and I'll figure it out. Maybe but. Vince has it. I don't know. So Crusher, Chris Evan, Nelson, Scott Simpson, and Baron, <laughs> Baron Roshke. Yeah. They, uh, they laid it, you know. It was a, uh, well, Italian Stallion knows what the fuck he's doing. It's yeah, but he never stuck two other fucking props. Yeah. So, yeah. So, but anyways, um, who got the finish on that one? Uh, Nikita got it. He clotheslined the shit out of. Um, yeah. Okay. Somebody. Just trying to remember. He that happens every week. Somebody. He just stood him up and just clotheslined the yeah. shit out of him. Yeah. Nelson smashed him. I think instead Nikita of the Russian circles, now the Minnesota masher. So. Yeah, I think Nikita got pissed because he had to work. He had a good gig going, and they told him he had to work. Yeah, you gotta do something, man. You've been sitting around getting paycheck for nothing. You've been here for five months. You didn't. You, have, you have to work. Uh, then we went to a promo of Trucker Ron Garvin, who's so fucking full of shit. Yeah, quote. I mean, this was like a fucking quote. My hand is not broke. I don't think. I only know it hurts, but I'm not gonna make a big deal out of it. And then the whole fucking promo was about his hand being hurt, and then him like. Taping it up and not cheating. Well, I mean, what, what the fuck? The whole fucking promo was about his hand being fucking broke. Maybe, maybe not. You know, maybe it's Ron Garvin's fault that 
Vince McMahon doesn't let the wrestlers write their own promos anymore. <laughs> Here's a good example of why. I mean, the whole fucking promo, he just said, but I'm, I'm not going to make a big deal out of my hand. And then the whole fucking promo was about his hand and him using it as a fucking weapon and beating the shit out of everybody with it. I fucking now, hate Ron Garvin. It feels like he gives me the hands of stone every time I watch him. I feel like I got punched in the mouth. So, Road Warrior promo. Uh, they show the footage from the house show. Hawk wasn't there because he was injured. Paul Ellering. Man, I forgot that guy had some muscles on him. Uh, he filled in for Hawk. Paul got the shit beat out of him by the Russians. Um, but, yeah. I mean, he, he was a bodybuilder. So, But the Road Warriors are double his size. Uh, you know, you had your ref got knocked out. And they hit uh, Paul with a chain to get the pin so uh hawk was a little upset over that hawk was <laughs> fucking pissed like i think he was really mad <laughs> yeah. so they should have booked that match that way i think it was playing out <laughs> yeah <laughs> i believe you hawk you were angry so dusty did a bad booking job that night oh yeah yeah he he was he was pissed and he was talking about what's not right and he was sick of the russians and sick of this and he's gonna fix it so yeah but uh, yeah. poor uh, yeah, you forget that uh, Paul Ellering was a fucking bodybuilder before he hooked up the Road Wars. So when he he was working, he had his shirt off. He was fucking ripped. Yeah, because when he's on TV, he's wearing normal people clothes, and then he fucking took his shirt off. He's like, holy shit, the guy's fucking jacked. So when he's standing next to the Road Warriors. Yeah, road warriors are twice the fucking size of normal humans. Well, I remember the first time I saw a picture of young Paul Ellering when he was you know, had the blonde hair and shit, mm-hmm. and he was freaking jacked. I was like, damn. Couldn't believe it. I was watching something about the road warriors or reading something about them, and, it, and I come across it. I was like, holy cow. It's, I didn't it's, literally come across it. You know what I mean? Yeah, It's like the... Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like the... Uh, it's like Scott Hall. You forget how fucking huge Scott Hall is because he's always around Kevin Nash. Yeah, and then look at him versus Shawn Michaels. Yeah. Towers over him. Yeah. Wahoo versus Ron Rossi. Wahoo just chopped the fucking shit out of this poor bastard. Yeah, the chops. I'll tell you what. Wahoo McDaniel's got some freaking badass chops. Now I know why Ric Flair didn't like working <laughs> They need. To, they should just make a freaking like. You know, they have the ten hours of Arnold lines on YouTube where he's just yeah. ten hours of Arnold quotes. They have ten hours of Wahoo chops. Yeah, I'd probably start crying after about an hour. Like, oh my god, the pain. Promo of Magnum this is a typical Magnum promo. It starts off being quiet and subdued, and then he starts yelling about the fucking Kremlin and. Wanting a fucking match with yeah, they, I, I like Magnum TA, but man, they are wearing that shit out. <laughs> yeah, get man. on with it. And he's only got about four or five more months left in his career. Yeah, <clears throat> gorgeous Jimmy Garvin versus I think it was Don Cronodo. I think his first name. And uh, it's quick Jimmy Garvin match. He's finally stopped wrestling in the. Uh, His uh, well, he's he started wearing the uh, tidy whities now. Uh, I like Jimmy. 
Always did. Yep. So, Jimmy. Jimmy Jam. Oh, shit. I'm getting confused on our Garvins here. Yeah. Not Ron Garvin. Fucker. Yeah, that's who I thought you was talking about. I'm like, no, we're talking about the guy with the freaking hairspray. Yeah. And I just got the names fucked up. Yeah. He didn't do a fucking promo tonight, which is weird. Nope. He should have done a fucking promo instead of fucking Ron Garvin. Everybody should do it. They should give freaking uh, Tony Zane a chance to do promos that are Ron Garvin. Yeah, I would prefer to see that. And then we go to a promo with Ric Flair. Thank God. <laughs> uh, this is when he did his fucking... Uh... Well, first off, he, he buries Ricky Morton and in, in is uh, talking about how Ricky's out there with all of his teeny bopper fans and how I like my women with a full sweater and an empty head. I like them double D's, brother. I've, <laughs> I've always loved that line. It's like, not, when I was six years old, I, I saw that, and I was like, I don't know what he's saying, but I always wanted to be this man. I don't think you can get say that today on TV and get away with it without like a bunch of bullshit. But goddamn, I love Ric Flair. Yeah, you'll get doxxed and accused of being a rapist. So, but uh, I don't, and he said that he went on to bury Ricky Morton and and, and said, uh, "Now, uh, Ricky, stick around because I got something for you later tonight." Uh, we go on to uh, Arn Anderson versus Armbar Sam Houston. Flair stuck around to do commentary. Arn once again carried Sam Houston to this match. I don't remember seeing Sam Houston do any armbars. He probably did, but I wasn't paying attention. Um, Arn Anderson proved that he did a heel's job. He carried Sam Houston, called the match, and it was actually a pretty good match because of Arn Anderson. If it was Sam Houston working a prop, it would not have been a good match. It probably went about seven minutes, and um, no, it was a good TV match. Yeah, Arn Anderson, he's carried, he can carry, he carried him. Um, but I mean, Sam Houston, man, Jesus Christ. Fucking Sam Houston. Which we'll not, come back to Sam Houston later when someone makes a crazy comment about Sam Houston. But yeah, it was not a good Sam Houston that. It was oh not, no, it was earlier. It was earlier during the Black Bart match. Um, they commentated that um, Black Bart and Sam Houston had an amazing match. <laughs> yeah, I was like, bullshit. They did. Hmm. That's a that's a guy doing his job. <laughs> yeah, they had an amazing match. No, you didn't. Uh, Stop. Yeah. Just Prom- stop. Yeah, yeah. Promo of Arn Anderson. Um I don't remember what Arn said. Shit, I don't either. I uh, no, I had I was I had to get the kids off the bus. I think Arn said something around the he probably talked about the Jim Crockett Senior Moore Cup. Most likely. 
promo up to Rock and Roll Express. Um, I think he just talked shit about Ric Flair and Jim Cornette. Pez Watley or Saska Watley. What's a Saska? I don't know. He's probably in Dusty's mind. He's black, and that sounded like an African name. Oh. So, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I'm just saying. I'm not. I'm not. I not me. I don't think that. But I'm just saying. Dusty probably thought that. Um, the barbarian. That was, yeah. The barbarian versus uh, Vernon Deaton and Randy Mulkey. Yeah, I I can watch. I it's like the Wahoo Chops. I can watch Barbarian Overhead Press people for hours. <laughs> it's just like holy shit. Um, then he he overhead pressed Zane there a few weeks back, didn't he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, no yeah, the match isn't anything special, but the the big thing is is Pez's promo. Pez had a promo. He had a promo today. I can't remember exactly when it was. It was at the end of the show? Was that the very end? Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, we'll talk about it then. All right. Uh, promo with the uh, well, uh, Pez went over. He got the flying head bunt. Um, promo with the Russians. And that was it. Yeah, um, pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> then we had the Rock and Roll Express versus Ray Trailer and Carl Styles. They were getting ready to do the match, and then Ric Flair walks out in his wrestling trunks and the world title in hand. Rock and Roll Express proves that they are fucking bullies, and for no good reason, drop kick Ray Trailer and Carl Styles. What the fuck? There is no reason to do that. And these are fucking baby faces. These guys just trying to make a living, man. You got to be pulling some bullshit like that. The poor big boss man was just fucking standing there and they fucking drop kicked him in the face. And the fans cheered. You fucking assholes. The sucker drop kick. Yeah. I mean, oh my God. Fucking Brock and Rock Spread. Jim Cornette was right. These people are fucking assholes. I'm starting to agree. Yeah. So, anyway. Flair gets in the ring, tells the ref, fucking start the match, and we have Ric Flair versus Ricky Morton, and this match was fucking awesome. Yes, there's a lot of turns. There's a lot of uh, back and forth. Um, Ricky Morton went over a lot more than Flair did as far as who seemed to have the advantage pressing the match and stuff. It was really, really good. It was really fast-paced, which Ricky Morton can freaking work. There's no doubt about it. But, you know, and that's what made it even better because, you know, flair helps make people look good. And when you got a guy that already looks good when he works, you got a pretty yeah. good match. Ricky can and, fucking uh, sell, too. Yes, he can. So there was a uh, – what was the um, – I don't know. It was a counter to everything. Like, flair countered the neckbreaker ended up in a near pin, I think. There was a lot of near falls, and that was what was making it really exciting. And Flair just kept kicking out. And there was a lot of reversals and counters and stuff. But the finish was uh, was pretty awesome. Um, the ref got bumped, taken out, and Flair got thrown in turnbuckle, did the flip, ran over. And this is what caught me. It was pretty awesome. Flair jumped up on the ropes, but he didn't stand with one foot on either side of the turnbuckle. Hmm. He stood 
on the rope like the fucking Undertaker for a second, <laughs> then squatted down and then leaped out into space and did a crossbody. Yeah. And it was freaking epic. I was like, holy shit. And of course, Ricky Morton rolled with it, ended up on top, and um, Robert Gibson run in and stopped Flair from interfering. And then he did a three count, which meaningless, but yeah. you know it doesn't count. So it was him trying to you know show that he beat the champ when he didn't really beat the champ. No, he didn't. And it was probably a fast count too, since Gibson was helping. And on WCW Saturday night, we had fucking blood. Flair juiced on Saturday night. Yes. Which you can't fucking do now. Oh, That's the crowd was into it too. Oh yeah, they wanted to see Ricky Morton kill him. Yeah, <laughs> fucking blood. But just now you have fucking trainers go up there and stop the match like Samoa Joe. But it was fucking awesome. Yeah, but you can watch Fox Sports and you know, or whatever UFC's on now. Those guys beat each other half to death, and you know that's. But. Th this was way better than the fucking Flair and and Ronnie Garvin match we had last on December. You know, if Flair's walking up the street carrying a dingleberry, it's still a dingleberry. Okay? Yeah. He's still got a wipe to get that shit off. That's Ron it's, Garvin. It's a dingleberry. Yeah. I'd rather see Rick Flair versus Ricky Morton than fucking Ron Garvin any day. Yeah. I'd rather watch Tony Zane and Ric Flair. So... They should have gave Ricky the world title instead of fucking Ron Garvin. It would have made a lot more sense. Didn't Ricky Morton get it one time? No. He they didn't? Gave to, they gave it to fucking Ron Garvin. I thought at some point he landed a no. title. Ricky never gets it. Ricky only becomes tag team champion with Robert. Maybe I'm thinking that he beat. Maybe I remember reading or hearing about this match at some point. No, he beats Flair in single matches, but he never gets the world title. That's what I'm saying. That's what I'm thinking I'm confused with. Yeah. And then, of course, there's a big celebration as we go to a promo with Dusty and Rock and Roll. And Dusty's like, uh, you see, you keep doing that, Flair. You keep doing that. And that's what happens. You run your mouth, and then you get laid out on your ass. Yeah, that's pretty funny. <laughs> yeah. And he said, you keep doing that. You soften them up because in St. Louis, Ric Flair, you're mine. Cut to a promo with uh, Jim Cornette and, well, Rock and Roll Express. I didn't recognize Jim, Jim Cornette. Cornette and Jim Cornette was pleased to the Midnight Express versus Jim Garner and Bob Owens. That was a fast beatdown. They usually, they've been recently taking their time beating the hell out of people, and it was over pretty quick. Yep. Uh, I like the incognito Cornette, too. Yeah, Jim Cornette was Yeah, nobody recognized it because he's wearing sunglasses. Yeah. Well, you can't recognize Superman in glasses, so. Yeah. But uh, I guess probably because that Flair Morton match went long, so that's why they had to hurry it up. And then we had a promo with uh, Paul Jones and his army. I guess this is where Saska was out there. All right, so. <laughs> Pistol, whatever, Saska. Um, Kuna Quinte Watley was. Um, Freaking man, he had the crowd wanting to kill his ass. He to me, he gave the best promo. I mean, yeah, Flair's was more creative, but as far as energy and holding the crowd, they wanted to fucking kill Pete <laughs> or Pez. And he, he was like, 
Hippolyte, don't you know I'm talking? Oh my God, I about fell out of my chair when he said that. Because I can only imagine what he was hearing that we couldn't hear. Um, but yeah, he did a great job. He pulled uh, Jimmy Valiant's hair out of the bag and was making fun of him and stuff. I mean, he he got an awesome promo. It was great. Just the energy alone was was worth it. So he had the crowd in the palm of his hand. Yeah. All right. So I think, but that Ricky Morton match was fucking awesome. So you should at least go back and watch that. Now I. I think next week is the Jim Crockett Senior Memorial Cup. So it's on daily motion. But the way that next week's show is set up on the network, the, the way that they do it, WCW is, they record WCW Saturday night in the middle of the episode. So they have a... a um, a daytime show, like a morning show, for for the um, Jim Crockett Memorial Cup. Then they record. Then they, then they have the uh, Saturday night, and then they have a night show, which would be uh, eight o'clock. Is is when they do the um, the rest of the show. So I think what you and I will do, we will just watch WCW Saturday night on the 19th next week, the regular show. And then we will actually review the Jim Crockett Senior Memorial Cup on the 26th. Because they should not give any spoilers, which is yeah, fuck a 30-year-old show. So we'll just do that. Now, here's what we're going to do. Again, we're going to play our song at the end credits. And then if you do not want spoilers for Batman versus Superman, which has been out for, what, two weeks now? Yeah. Turn off the fucking podcast. If you don't, then it's your fucking fault. So, uh, Scott Paul Show... Thanks for listening.
All right, Scott. All right. So Batman versus Superman. One of the, I almost feel like I need to see it again. I won't, but I feel like I need to. I mean, I will on DVD, but no, I'm not going back to theater to watch it when I got a bunch of money to spend on comic movies this year. Uh, overall, I enjoyed the film, but that does not mean that I loved it by any stretch of the imagination. It's, it's to me, it was good. Um, but there, I'm not saying that it's like, oh man, this is this is a freaking eight or a nine. I'm saying like a seven, okay, which is which is to me an okay movie. Movies start get into the realm of supremely entertaining at an eight for this guy. At a seven, it's you know we're good. It's almost the IGN scale of grading, <laughs> except seven doesn't mean it's fucking shit to me. Well, I think like seven means it's average, but I enjoy seven. it. Yeah. yeah. Um, my here, here's the starting off. You know, Superman shows up to save Lois Lane. She's out in the uh, um, Middle East somewhere, and there is a some rogue agents there. She gets taken hostage. The agent agent shoots some people and blows some stuff up, and somehow that gets turned on the being. Well, Superman did it because he shows up and smashes some stuff and saves Lois. And this becomes kind of like your one of your big reveals later in the movie uh, about why that happened. And if I miss stuff, forgive me for those of you who've seen it, but it was two and a half hours and managing kids and the whole nine yards. Um, Batman himself, you know, he's got issues. Well, it starts out with the destruction of, of Metropolis, not the Middle Eastern part. But anyways, that's... I, I thought it... Uh... Started off with the um, Bruce the Wayne murder, didn't it? Now, ah, yeah, the opening credits has the Wayne murder. Jesus Christ! See, I've got all discombobulated, which is kind of like the film. It's a little chaotic. <laughs> yeah, it starts off with the Wayne murder again. I'll say this about the Wayne murder: I'm sick of seeing it because I've seen it ten thousand times. But I am also a freaking hardcore comic book guy, so I'm going to see it a thousand times. General audiences, maybe not as much as us. But the big issue is, or not the big issue, they did a really, really good job with the Wayne murders. So to me, it was the best interpretation. Uh, Thomas Wayne gets kind of silly and tries to punch a guy with a gun and gets shot. And then um, the whole pearl necklace thing and Martha dying. And Tom... It's very important for that whole Martha yeah, the Thomas moment is Thomas Wayne's laying there dying. He's looking at Martha, and he says, Martha, you know, they're both dying. Which they finish that scene out later, I believe. I might be wrong. Um, when you see her eye, you can it, it dilates. You know that she has died. Her eye is relaxed. Um, anyways, the uh, and then we go to the destruction of, I think we go to the destruction of Metropolis, and... You know, Bruce Wayne runs towards it and he's trying to get his people out of the building and the people that work for him get killed. And we kind of got like the 9-11 imagery, the guy on the phone and the building falling on him and stuff. And then Bruce saves a little girl and he also saves uh, one of the workers that works for him. This guy is pivotal to the plot, um, gets his legs chopped off by some steel. You know, Bruce picks it up and uh, they drag that guy out. So, because Bruce is apparently... To me, he's a metahuman in this movie. He's super strong. Like, 
he, he's doing some shit later. You're just like, man, just, I mean, he's throwing these people around and they're just flying like rag dolls. But anyways, um, then we go to the Middle East and all that. So, you know, we try, they try to give us a lighthearted scene with Superman hopping in the bathtub with, he's got his clothes on or Clark hopping in the bathtub with Lois. And, um, you know, they, that's like the one light moment in the whole movie to me was Clark kind of laughing and, oh, you know, things will be okay. There's a bad reaction to Superman saving Lois. Okay. There's, they have a, a lady come over from the village or whatever. And she's talking about how there was a big crack of thunder or something. She describes a loud impact and people died and things. And it's Superman's too powerful. And he's becoming dangerous. And everybody's worried about whether he's going to be, he, he has the power to just wipe everything out if he chooses to. So you have your government people trying to determine whether they should try to come up with countermeasures or limit his power somehow, you know, like, or talk to him something to try to, to curb any potential issues. And then you have Lex Luthor who freaking hates the idea of this guy. And he alludes to, you know, gods and devils and stuff like that throughout the entire movie. And he, he's a little bit repetitive. Um, Jesse Eisenberg's take on Lex Luthor is fucking trash. I mean, when he wants to play evil, he does pretty well. It's kind of like a Hayden Christensen thing, but that's about as far as it goes. When it, Hayden's full on evil, he's not bad. That's about how I felt about Eisenberg. Um, writing wise, if I project the adventures of Superman or whatever animated series is Lex Luthor onto it, not so bad, but uh, writing wise, I thought Lex had pretty good motives and was very dangerous. Character-wise, as far as the actor goes, I don't think they did a very good job with him. Um, we got a lot of Batflex standing around looking sad. Okay, I, I think it was a poor choice to do it as much as they did. It's just like, come on, let's fucking do something already. Um, ben Affleck knocks it out of the park playing Bruce Wayne, in my opinion. Um, you know the way he plays like a drunk. He's not cartoony when he talks about being intoxicated or uh, the Playboy type mentality. He's, 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 he's definitely brooding, but I thought he did a very good job with it. I, it's my favorite take of Bruce Wayne so far. Um, his Batman is my favorite take of Batman so far um, in relation to how he acts and how he, like his acting ability plus the, the physical scenes. I thought they did really well with that. Um, the story choices they made, the kill count and everything else, I'm not, not too keen on. Uh, I think you said 16 and the, uh, the count 16 or 17. There's an official count somewhere of people that he kills in some manner. And there's just too much uh, killing without any sort of hesitation. Um, the grenade scene I can buy, it worked for me, but there's scenes where he's just blowing shit up and you're like, damn dude, he is wiping mm -hmm. people out. So, but again, if you approach that from an Elseworlds mindset, not that bad. Or, you know, Comic book Wolverine and movie Wolverine are two different things. Okay. Movie Wolverine is more like Superman than fucking movie Superman is because <laughs> he laughs and he cuts up and you know, things like that. He's got some issues, but you know, th there's no humor with, with Clark. There's no, which I'm not saying we need Deadpool humor. Okay. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying that there needs to be some sort of lighthearted, you know, thing about Superman at some point. And you know, the, the whole point is he's, he's supposed to be a symbol of hope. Um, which in the movie they say, well, you know, that only means something on Krypton. That's what Clark says. This only means something on Krypton. Don't mean anything here because he's disenfranchised. Um, 
So, I mean, there was a lot of good stuff. Uh, one of the other good plot points that worked well for me was the guy that got his legs chopped off is really angry with Superman. He's lost his family. He's lost his job. And um, Lex goes to him with a nice electronic wheelchair, says, I want you to make a stand or, yeah, take a stand. And basically he puts a bomb in that guy's wheelchair and he gets Superman to show up at this congressional hearing. And you have all the congressmen there and you have Mercy there. And Lex is supposed to be there, but of course he doesn't show up. And the whole idea is Lex had tried to get access to Kryptonite because he wanted to build a bullet as a deterrent for Superman. Of course, she called him out as an assassin and the senator didn't give him the didn't give him what he wanted. So he decides he's going to show her in the world. He sets up the bomb. Superman shows up. Uh, they're talking and the bomb goes off. And of course, in a fucking fantastic moment, um, you see the fire just rip around Superman, which you know isn't going to phase him. But you know, the fucking 200 people in the room are fucking dead. And he just, just kind of blinks like, fuck, did that just happen? Because it's too late. There's nothing you can do. As fast as he is, he can't run an explosion when he didn't even expect it to happen. And I, I thought it was epic. And he just kind of, you just kind of, and he's defeated after that. That's a dark I can buy out of Superman. Yeah. Uh, the problem is he never gets out of the fucking rut, man. And he was in that rut in the first movie. But, you know, so the darkness in Batman vs. Superman for Clark made more sense than it did in Man of Steel, even though I think Man of Steel was a slightly better movie. Um, just because it was a little more coherent. Um, I thought it was a very good moment. And visually, they didn't make it gaudy. It was just flames shot by him, and he just was stunned. And they didn't show, like, corpses blown apart. They killed Mercy. Uh, it kind of surprised me. Um, that was fucking stupid. Yeah, that was stupid. She was there in the room. and But she didn't really do anything except walk around and look hot. Oh, my goodness. I don't know who that actress, actor is, but she is mm. beautiful. But she didn't really do anything except walk. Um, the... Uh, Batman again, you got the interaction with Alfred and Alfred, you know, kind of communicates across how he's wanting Batman to have a family and carry the Bruce, the Wayne name on things like that. You know, he just small little kind of digs. He's taking at Bruce, but Bruce is really kind of going off the rocker about, you know, Superman being a threat. And eventually he breaks it into um, the facility and gets, or maybe he, I don't know if he breaks it. In. Yeah, he breaks in, steals a kryptonite, and he fashions a big old predator spear out of it. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, it was kind of neat. And, you know, he's training and throwing tires around, and randomly he goes out and fucks some people up. And But he thinks that Superman's a threat, and he's going to take him out. But before we get to that point, Superman, or Clark Kent, I'm sorry, is wanting to report on Batman and his brutality and how he doesn't follow the law, which is funny because... Superman's not—he's kind of a lawbreaker too. Well, he's a vigilante, um, so they're all. Yeah, he's—he's he's a lawbreaker, not on the level of Batman, because Batman has a laundry list of specific crimes, where Superman's just a vigilante and destruction of property. I think, probably manslaughter after the first movie. Um, whereas Batman's got a thousand crimes, but whatever. Which even Batman says we're criminals. That's what he tells Alfred in the movie, which I thought was a smart way of handling it too. Um, but Superman's like, you know what? Batman starts branding the bad guys with like little bat symbols. And um, 
And it's kind of like a death sentence in the criminal world if you have that brand on you. So, yeah, the news report says that if you show up to prison with that, it's an mm-hmm. automatic death sentence. Yeah. So, what's interesting, Superman's like, well, I'm going to go just tell him he's going, he's done. So, Superman flies down while Batman's fucking up a bunch of Russians and stops the Batmobile and rips the hood off and tells the bat, tells Batman, the bat's dead. And uh, Batman says, you know, I just got a question. Do you bleed? And Superman just kind of smirks at him, flies off. And, you know, of course, Bruce says, you will. It was pretty, it's pretty good scene. And um, because you can see the arrogance of power in Superman. You know, it was, it was definitely there. Um, The, the pitfalls of thinking you're always right, which is something that, some of the animated series and the cartoons and the movies had hit on from Batman about, you know, that, that danger of thinking you're always right. And I, you know, they didn't play it enough, but the element was there under the surface. So I, I thought that was a pretty good spin. Um, but anyways, Batman goes back to preparing all the shit. Uh, you have the explosion happens and Batman's like, all right, I got to take this guy out. So he sets up a bunch of traps. He's got a kryptonite gas grenades and his little grenade launcher. Um, a kitchen sink, <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, different ropes and, you know, just different things. He's going to try and stop Batman. He's got a, a sonic weapon, a trap that he sets. He's got machine guns that he sets up to distract him and slow him down. Just a bunch of stuff like that. The actual fight is pretty quick. thought it was pretty good. Um, Batman just freaking just destroys Superman. I mean, it's, it's brutal. Superman beats him down a few different times, but man, it's all Batman show. When he brings Superman down to his level of power using the kryptonite, it, it doesn't matter. The hand-to-hand skills, they they really show them. Because Superman apparently doesn't know how to move his head left or right. He just takes shots on the chin, doesn't care. Um, but Batman actually picks the sink up and smashes it over his head. And then at one point, he had Batman, or he had Superman by the arms. And Superman's back was to his, and he was carrying him. I thought he was going to do the razor's edge like off a of four-story <laughs> stairway, and I was like, do it. Do it. <laughs> he didn't quite do it, but he ties him up, gets ready to kill him with the spear, and um, he's got his foot on his throat, and he's – the whole point of Batman and Superman, why Superman's after Batman, is because Lex Luthor has kidnapped Martha uh, Clark – or Martha Kent, and Superman has an hour to bring him the head of the bat, or they're going to kill Martha with a flamethrower. So, and Superman, he, he tries to reason with Batman right off Jump Street. See, Batman's kind of suffering from the I'm always right problem and the ego and everything else. And he's, he's willing to kill Superman to, to achieve his ends. And at the end of the fight, Superman's beat down and he's got a foot in his throat and he can barely talk. And he's saying, you got to save Martha. And that stops Batman for a second. Says, Why did you say that? Why did you say Martha? Why did you say that name? Because, you know, that's the thing that gave Batman his psychosis was his mom and his dad freaking dying. And Lois, of course, shows up at that moment and says, that's his mother. And that stops him from finishing him off. And then Superman explains what's going on. And <laughs> Batman goes off to rescue. Yeah, that's so fucking stupid. I don't know. I thought I liked it myself. That's so stupid. Because, like I said, that's the thing that gave Batman his identity. That day that Bruce Wayne died was when Thomas and Martha Wayne were shot. 
So I thought, you know, it, it kind of took him out of his, it kind of took him out of his loop. He was in this loop of I'm always right. I'll do whatever I got to do. He's basically the punisher. And that was like a moment that I can believe that stopped him and made him step back and, and self-reflect and reframe his sense of his mind. Um, after that, he got a little too friendly too quick with Superman. Who's Martha? That's my mom. Your mom's name's Martha, too? Let's be super friends. But I think Jesus I thought Christ. that was a I thought that was a superficial way of looking at it myself. I think it's, on the I'm surface the it seem like the fucking things. I think it's deeper than that because of how deeply that affects Super or Batman. It's to me, it works. So fucking weak. Yeah, That's your mom's name is Martha. Too. It helped him find his sense of justice. Let's be super friends. <laughs> I'm gonna go save your mother. You love her just like I don't love my mommy no more. Oh fucking weak. Yeah, a guy that fucking flies around in a bat suit killing people. It it, it doesn't seem that far fetched to me. Yeah. Um anyways, during this time, Lex has crafted using the corpse of General Zod, uh Doomsday. The Doomsday. And they blew their fucking wad way too fucking early with this. No, oh, yeah. That's that cool. being said, watching what happens on camera was pretty good. Story-wise, I think they made a huge mistake because basically you got half the world like Superman and half the world wishes the fucker was dead. So the whole element of Superman, you know, what's the risk of Superman? He can't die, right? You know, everybody's always saying he's invulnerable, he's invulnerable, he's invulnerable. What made the death of Superman comic work um, was that Superman finally went against somebody that could kill him. And it wasn't like some guy had to use a trick, had to use kryptonite, put him in some sort of trap that he could escape or whatever. He literally got beat to death willingly to save the world. It wasn't like, well, I've got a, you know, I've got a chance to jump down in front of this bullet and dodging it. You know what I mean? It was, I'm getting beat to death, but I'm not going to stop because I'm going to do whatever it takes to save the world, which in, in the Death of Superman comic, he knew when he threw that final strike, he was killing Doomsday. And you know, Superman abhors killing. But he had no choice. This guy was going to terminate the entire freaking planet. And that's what makes that comic work. The impact it has, like, damn, you know, like in World with Funeral for Superman or World Without Superman, whatever series followed that up. It was one of the issues, one of the things everybody talked about was. Man, you know, he, you know, some of these people that criticized him. There was a, I think it was a young boy that criticized him, where Superman had saved his family, and he thought he was a big dweeb, and he was like, no, nah, he took, he got beat to death to save everybody. That dude's cool, you know. I mean, rest his soul and all that. That's how they took it. The whole world's like, damn, this guy who we thought was invincible put it all on the line and saved us all. You don't get that from this fucking movie. It's stupid. You get the stupid, shitty, quick funeral sequence where they're showing everybody marching around with um in Washington DC or something with an empty casket. But anyways, anyways, back to Doomsday. I, I kind of got ahead of myself there. Um Superman is incredibly weak. Batman goes out trying to stop Doomsday. Doomsday can apparently fart EMPs hmm. or nukes or something. I don't know what the fuck's going on. But he starts, it's just this fucking like pressure wave just blows. You remember when in the X-Men movie, when that like silver glow was kept pulsing out to turn everybody into mutants? Yeah. Well, yeah, it looks like that, but like red and gold. So 
and it's very destructive. So Superman comes in and starts fighting with Doomsday and Batman's fighting Doomsday. Batman's about to get killed and um, which I think it's before it's before Superman shows up, maybe. But Batman's about to get killed by Doomsday, and that's when Wonder Woman shows up and stops him. And she jumps on um Doomsday starts fighting him. And you get a few sequences that were shot like straight out of 300 with her smiling at the the concept of battle and uh, worthy opponent and all that stuff. Um, you know, and, and her sword can apparently cut his hand completely off. Like she cuts his arm off and then his arm grows a big spike because it's trying to grow back. So the flesh hasn't grown around. So he's got a big bone spike. So anyways, they're fighting back and forth and they're realizing that he's getting stronger, which is a part of the doomsday um, power set. You know, you, well, it's a twist on it. He doesn't have to actually die for him to adapt. As he continues to get damaged, he absorbs the damage they're giving him, and he continues to mutate. And he's getting closer to the doomsday we know from the comics as far as appearance and stuff goes. Well, Superman goes back and gets the kryptonite spear that Batman had crafted, and um, Lois helps him, and he helps Lois, and they go get it. And Superman comes, he picks the spear up, and he flies. And he can, he can barely hold himself up in the air. It's not like he's lifting the freaking continent up like he did in Superman Returns. It's showing that it's affecting him to do what he's doing, but he can still move. So he goes flying forward. He stabs Doomsday with the kryptonite spear. And Doomsday um, is trying to not die. And he takes his big spike and he punches Superman in the heart with it. And then Superman, you know, is like, oh shit, I've been stabbed, but I haven't stabbed this dude enough. So he grabs Doomsday's bone spur and then crams the spear on into Doomsday, and it also impels Superman even more, and then he dies. So, pretty good, but they blew their wad story-wise big time. And then, of course, Clark gets buried in Smallville, and there's an empty casket in Washington, and Lois gets the engagement ring that Martha was holding for Clark or something in an envelope, and she goes and throws the dirt on um, the casket and then the credits hit, but in the like quarter second before the credits hit, the dirt starts to float just a little bit, which to me, I fucking cheapens it even more because you know, he's coming back, but let's let the fucking movie in before we start having dirt float up and down. It was just kind of dumb. They used the black and silver casket, which was pretty cool um, for the Superman logo on the black and silver uh, at just the Washington like funeral. Comes back and yeah, so yeah. we know he's coming back, but come on, just you didn't need the fucking stupid dirt at the end. Um, the Justice League part of it, you know, Batman and Wonder Woman talk about how they're going to have to do something, and they're about to find these metahuman stuff because they get this file from Lex that they steal off of his network, and it's got and basically the reveal of the Justice League is a couple of um like security footages of Aquaman, the flash and cyborg, uh, flash looks like Diego Sanchez that fought in UFC. So I was kind of surprised by that. Um, his sequence was pretty cool, but you can't really tell much about it. Um, it was like 10 seconds. And then Aquaman just kind of floats and looks at the camera and it goes on way too long. And then he stabs the camera and then, cyborgs is the part of the corpse up on the wall and the dad's working on him saying, you know, if this experiment fails then death's going to occur, yada, yada, yada. 
and then some sort oh, there's like a magic cube that turns him into cyborg. So, so he's cool with recording all this shit, but when his son's getting fucking apparently annihilated by the cube, he decides he's got to stop the camera and he puts his hand over the fucking camera. Because, you know, your son's getting ate by a fucking nanobot or something. You're going to stop and turn the camera off first. So, so whatever. It was fucking terrible. Footage. Yeah, the reveal with Justice League was fucking stupid and useless. They could have just settled with having their fucking logos or something. Like, hey, these guys are probably the next movie. It would have worked way better. Kind of like the so. end of Smallville. Alice, you just was saying that there's a guy in, in, who uh, can run really fast, and, and there's this other guy who uh, dresses up like a bat or whatever the fuck she said. Yeah, something like that. So, all in all, I think it was a so no how, game. So, how did they sh actually do the uh, Aquaman? Was it security camera footage of this? It was an underwater like robot, like a submersible, an RSV or whatever they call them. Yeah. And a uh, robotic submersible vehicle or something like that. And it had a camera and they went up to this wrecked boat and there was a hole in the hall and then they could see some eyes in the back of it. And then he kind of comes up there and he's just like, but then it goes on for like 20 fucking seconds. Him just staring at the camera. Oh my and God. This epic music, or they thought was epic music, because it was like terrible music for the scene. And then he fucking stabs it with his trident. It was fucking terrible. It was atrocious. And it seemed tacked on like really bad. So the reveal was Wonder Woman looking at a computer. So how fucking stupid. The music, the score was off, was up and down. Sometimes it was good, sometimes it was just shit. So um action Batman, Jesus Christ, dude, when he starts fighting people in this movie. It is. But that was Holmes. Holmes Zimmer's last uh, superhero film, too. Thank God. Yep. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, I enjoyed the movie uh, overall. You know, there's some there's some huge stumbling blocks, but I thought it was I thought it was okay. I thought you know I give it a seven. So you know, I'm knocking points off for some convoluted plot lines. I'm knocking points off for some mischaracterization of. Some of the people I'm knocking points off for terribly shot fucking it reveal the Justice League members. You know, I don't know. It was terrible. Wonder Woman, how was she overall? I thought she was good. I thought she was really good, actually. So um, she wasn't in the movie a whole lot, but when she was in there, she did really well. Like at first, I thought she was going to be Selena Kyle because I kind of forgot who Gal Gadot or whatever, however you say her name was. I was like, oh, shit, is that Selena Kyle? Because she steals um, Batman's transmitter that he's using to hack into Lex's shit. And then it hit me a couple seconds. I was like, oh, dumbass, that's fucking Wonder Woman. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. So, but yeah, I was up and down in the movie. And, you know, I walked in expecting extreme shit. And there was some things, don't get me wrong, but there was nothing, there was no one moment that ruined the entire movie for me. Um, but there were some things that held it back. Superman was, Man of Steel was a more concise movie. Uh, this one was a little bit more all over the place, and I think I think they could have cut a half hour out of it myself. But so, do you think we're going now? Justice League One is going to be there. Well, he, Snyder already said that Justice League will be Batman and Wonder Woman getting all the groups together. So, Justice League One will be everybody forming the groups. So. And I guess that would be the resurrection of Superman. Justice League Two would be him fighting Doomsday, not Doomsday, but um, Dark Seed or Dark Side, whatever you want to call it. Dark Side. And then 
the next film after that, you think Injustice? Oh, yeah, they laid the groundwork for Injustice. Now, this was fucking stupid. Um, not that if they want to lay the groundwork and go the Injustice route, I'm fine with that. Here's what I thought was fucking stupid Batman imagines it in a dream. Well, they said that, um, what was doing an interview and they said that the uh, the nightmare scenario, uh-huh. nightmare Batman, they said that that wasn't a dream. They said that that was a vision. So it's not okay, a dream. that's what I mean. A vision, a dream, whatever. I oh, mean, what, yeah. vision's the word I should have used. I, I, I'm I'm going to assume that jumping from Earth One to Earth Two or however they're doing it in yeah. this is how he was getting the visions because Batman doesn't have fucking clairvoyance. Yeah, it's not one of the superpowers because he has no superpowers yeah. unless being psycho is a superpower. Okay. Well, so. when they say that, um, Lois is the key. Well, what starts off injustice is when Joker has Superman kill Lois. So she would yeah. be the fucking key, wouldn't she? Yeah. That and then when Batman is tied up, and she, like we've seen it in the trailer, Batman's tied up and he gets the mask pulled off. That would be injustice because it's Batman versus Superman. He also tells Batman before he kills him that he. It was his, something along the lines of it was his fault. You let her die. She was the most important thing, yada, yada, yada. And the Flash is the one that's somehow bringing a vision to Bruce. He's, he's, oh, yelling and screaming and he's getting pulled back into the trans dimensional portal or whatever. And, um, but Superman, he, you know, that scene, Batman, he's shooting people. You know, first off, I thought it was Dark Side when that scene started because, you know, in like Apocalypse, that this big like, flame shooting out of the fucking ground into the sky, yeah. like eternally. Those are in the background. It's like a dark side tease to me. Yeah. And I was like, Oh shit, he's seeing dark side. And then it went the injustice route. And that's when Superman walks in, the guys kneeled down Superman kills the two prisoners beside Batman before he tells him and kills him. Superman comes in and roasts him with heat vision. And then he punches or he reaches into Batman's chest and rips his heart out or something. Bruce stops screaming. What? Yeah. Yeah, he kills Batman. He pulls the fucking mask off. He looks at it, drops it, and he's telling Batman about how he fucked up, and he just takes his hand and just plunges it into his chest and kills him. So it, the scene cuts out with Bruce going, ah, and then it, you know, cuts back to the real world. Huh. Yeah, he fucking kills him in that sequence. Huh. So I've, I, if they know, go to Injustice, eventually it will get good in about. 2025. That'd be fucking awesome. The injustice route. That's awesome. But we need to have the good Superman and the bad Superman. Well, it can't just be one bad Superman because fuck you, Warner Brothers, eternally if you go that route. Well, if Superman dies and comes back, you can have Messiah Superman, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, maybe. Damn, maybe maybe the next movie Superman won't come back and it'll be Earth 2 Superman being an evil bastard. Yeah, he could come I back. I could buy that for a couple of movies. And then, you know, instead of coming back and fighting Cyborg, he comes back and fights himself. You could have that. You could have the Superman that's underground right now could be the good Superman and the one that comes back is fucking Dick Superman. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like and he's so- already conquered 
one earth and now he's conquering another maybe i don't know and that's what's that's what's going on right now the superman that comes back is evil superman and that's what happens so it's not going to be until superman and justice is when they finally open up the grave and here comes the real superman right yeah they could so do that I, I could buy that where you have a couple movies where superman's the bad guy because yeah. the real Superman's in the grave. That's why it's still hovering. We could do that. Yeah. Zack Snyder, listen to this fucking show and do it the way we just did it. Yep. Have Superman be a bad guy for a movie or two and then yeah, I'll take everything back. Yep. Oh well, you fucked up. And, you fucked it up. Fire Chris or whichever fucking Nolan's involved. It's not the Nolan. It's, it's, it's fucking it's, um the guy who did Blade. Oh, um, Goyer. Goyer. David Goyer. David S. Goyer. Yeah. Yeah, but he's copying Nolan's. Fuck Nolan. We'll fire him too while we're at it. Yeah. Um, yeah. If David Goyer would just write his movie, <laughs> <laughs> we might have something. But it's a fucking uh, Chris Nolan impersonation. Yeah. Is what it is. Just fucking hire so, us. No, I liked it better than Dark Knight Rises. If you just get Paul Dini to fucking do it, it would be awesome. Yes. Uh, and if you're going to have voice changing on Batman, hey, I feel like I like you, but damn, just do fucking Kevin Conroy. <laughs> so Bruce can be fucking um, Batman. Ben Affleck. But then when he's got the voice modulator going, be he can. Yeah. And they very clearly show there's a voice modulator. It was like they were aware of the big criticism on. Um, Dark Knight and all those movies. <laughs> you know, they kind of, yeah, they were working on dogs. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's well to me. Yeah. Yeah. But, um, okay. That will do it. So, okay. Well, if you were spoiled, that was your fault. If I missed anything, well, fucking tough shit. Yeah. <laughs> I tried to. Like I say, it's normally I can watch a movie and I can play it pretty good sequence of events. One of the things about this movie, it is a little bit a little bit chaotic and it's it makes it hard. Um, that's definitely a knock against the film too. So it's two and a half hours. So Yeah. It's it's you know, the more I think about it, maybe I will maybe I'll drop it to a six, you know. It's 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 watchable for sure. So maybe good was too strong a word. Yeah. Well, it'll be out pretty soon. It's okay. It's okay. Could be a lot better. Yeah, it'll be on DVD in about three more weeks because the box office is fucking shit the bed. <laughs> Holy shit. Yeah. yeah, no legs at all on that one. Oh, um when we were between segments here, um, there's a rumor going around. Let me check it out. Batman is Batman. The Warner Brothers is considering releasing the R-rated cut in theaters. Really? Yes. Which I thought was interesting, considering we had a discussion about the reshoots of Suicide Squad being based on. Well, there's not enough humor. No, there's not enough violence. <laughs> now it's not enough violence because Deadpool had a lot of violence, right? Uh, let's see, Screen Crush is just the first one I see. Batman vs. Superman R-rated edition may get released in theaters after disappointing weekend. Salt lose 
Damn it. Okay. Lose a horrible Melissa McCarthy comedy in only its third week of release. Uh, looks poised for total domestic ground of 325 and 340, which surprises me because I figured just having Batman in it alone would push it closer to four. Um, but in current projections indicate that Batman versus Superman won't turn a profit when all is said and done. That is fucking terrible. Yeah. Um, but the idea of releasing the extended R rated cut directly to theaters, three hour version. So, Huh. But putting the film back in theaters during the summer season could help goose the number to a more respectable level. Weird. Yeah. A lot of it sounds like it's Easter eggs. So I don't think if it's going to add anything to the quality of the film. But it's pretty bad a movie can make $340 million potentially and not be profitable. But I don't know what Screen Crush. What about the worldwide? I mean, hell, it's a, almost eight hundred billion. Oh well, we'll see. Yeah, because if Batman can't carry a fucking movie, something wrong. Yeah, he's been box office gold. Um, maybe the maybe the casting Affleck affected it, and you know what I mean. The word of mouth. I, I mean, when I first found out Affleck was going to be in this, I had a fucking stroke. I was like, no, no, no. And it's not that I even disliked Affleck. I just didn't think he was the guy for this. But he proved me wrong. My favorite Batman was Mr. Mom, so I was. Yeah. I had no problem with it. Yeah. I mean, if your favorite Batman is Mr. Mom, I can't talk shit about Ben Affleck doing it. I was I was willing to give him a shot. Plus, fucking Argo was brilliant. So, yeah, it was very good. All right, let's close it out. All right, thanks for listening.